On the 24th of February, Russia launched a large-scale invasion of Ukraine. This triggered a massive refugee crisis, and more than 6.6 .6 million people fled the nation. Just over half of them, three and a half million, have crossed the border into Poland since then. In the first month, there were approximately 140,000 people crossing the border every day. These people were taken by bus and by train, mostly to two cities in Poland, to Warsaw and to Krakow. We live and we lead a church in Krakow. Very soon after it started, the cities of Warsaw and Krakow became overwhelmed with people. And Warsaw became over, over, overwhelmed. And at one stage, they actually closed the main train station to people coming in because they couldn't take any more people. And Krakow got to the point where every single bed in the city was taken up. And women and children were arriving at the main train station with nothing, not even a suitcase. They had been traveling for over a week. They had been waiting at the border for days and days in sub-zero temperatures. And they arrived in Krakow, and they had to sleep on the train station floor. Poland has no asylum system. It has no government help or finance to give to refugees. And we were, we were flooded with desperate humanity. There were millions of desperate and traumatized people that were on our doorstep. And we were staring at the brutal consequences of sin and evil and war. But no matter how deep the darkness, no matter how hopeless the despair, or how great the loss, or how bad the circumstances. God's love never changes. His goodness never changes. His light is always greater than the darkness. And in the face of a desperate people and a lost and desperate world, there is only one thing that the church cannot do, and that is nothing. But normally when we do something, we have a little bit of time to plan. We get coaching. We get some people who've been there before telling us how to do it, telling us what to do. Uh, we have a little bit of preparation, but we can analyze different options. But here we were, boom. And uh, we kind of want to share with you some of the things that we learned as, the prin as some principles um, that arose in this crisis that Matt was talking about. Um, and so we want to look at five principles. Everything that happened was really accelerated and it was put like under magnifying glass. So some, some principles have really been highlight, highlighted to us at this time and so we want to mention them to you today. And these principles are not relevant only for a time of war, but they are Principles that we can use whenever there is something to be initiated, something to move forward in, the motion that Matt was talking about, when we want new ministries, new churches, when we want to contribute and expand God's kingdom, 
These are some of the things that we need to do. So number one, it's an old principle. Use what's in your hand. Moses is at the burning bush and he's arguing with God because he doesn't want to really, he doesn't feel capable of doing what God's called him to. Anyone here feel that way? Oh, it's just me, okay. Um, and he says, Moses, what's in your hand? And I can imagine that Moses, after 40 years of walking around in the desert with his stuff, he goes, hang on, what's in my hand? Uh, just let me move this thing. Nothing in my hand. Now look in the other hand, Moses. Oh, that hand, okay. No, 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 Moses, your staff. Oh, this old piece of wood. And this old piece of wood that he knew for 40 years to be of no effect except to maybe help him trip, but not trip or pull a sheep in, suddenly became the most miraculous thing that ever was. He parted the sea with it. <laughs> it's changed into a snake that ate the other snakes that the magicians did. He struck it and water came out of a rock. I mean, use what's in your hand. So that's one of the things that we actually learned during this time, use what's in your hand. So we as a church have no venue. So we had no shelter that we could offer the refugees. We had no money in the bank account, account to hand over to all these needy people. The apartments that we have from the people in the church, we have very little space. The apartments are very, very small, so we couldn't offer accommodation. We were overwhelmed, and we had very little to offer. We felt empty-handed, and we felt unable to do the job. So we asked ourselves, what is it that we do have? And the answer came to us. We have the NCMI network, and we have access to other people that can walk with us and stand with us and can help us. And so I was like seriously impressed with myself because I managed to set up a donor box account. And uh, I'm slightly digitally challenged, but I thought, okay, what I'm gonna do, got onto the internet and I set up this account where people from all over the world can donate some money. And then uh, we contacted Fred and other people from uh, the, the team and the churches in Europe and said, we put together a group and said, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to start raising funds for this. And uh, I was really excited about it and pushed the button and it went go. And within the first hour, we got $50. And I thought, wow, if we carry on at this rate, this is going to be so awesome. This is going to be amazing. I was so excited. And then... Uh, the next day I had a look and the total was $50. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, okay, okay, you know, it'll take time. Maybe people haven't opened up their WhatsApp yet. <laughs> Waited to the next day and got up and I looked at the account and it was $50. Praise and, the Lord. Uh, <laughs> but well, thank you, Lord. That's $50 more than we had. Um, but... 140,000 more people had entered the country that day. And um, I opened the next day, and you know how much money was in there? $50. And I thought, God, where's the help? Why are we here on our own? Does nobody care about Ukraine? Does nobody care about Poland? Does nobody care about the crisis? Does nobody care about the needy? 
And have you ever been in that place where you're bombarded with negative thoughts? You feel bombarded with a thought that you are standing there alone and you can't do it and you are overwhelmed. And I felt so foolish and I thought, oh God, was this such a stupid idea? I put it out there, I told people what the need was and no one has responded and now I look so stupid. And then some money came in. And then more and more and more money came in. And we've been so overwhelmed. And what, what I hadn't realized was that people were thinking so much bigger than, than we were. It wasn't about putting in the small amounts. It was about the churches gathering together and having collections and, and getting more and more money. And so we have been so blessed with the generosity of everybody. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much. The second principle is teamwork. And uh, it was wonderful what Matt shared. The Bible, we read a, we read a lot about teamwork. God is a team. Yeah. <laughs> it starts right there. God created the first two humans, and he created the first one, and he was lonely. And so he created another one, and they were a team. And they were to help each other. Jesus, as we heard so wonderfully, trained a team of disciples, and there were only 12, and boom, now the world the new church, uh, New Testament church planting, evangelism, a church, it was all in team, in team. You see the letters and the team that Paul worked with and what he did. And uh, we just received a wonderful teaching about the priesthood of all believers, gifts operating together, different people having unique, unique gifting, all amazing teamwork. But sometimes I have to admit that as leaders, our definition of teamwork is I will do this and come and do my thing. Ouch. <laughs> Others help me what I want to do. Okay, we say that's teamwork. Maybe not exactly. Come serve my vision. There's an extent of that, but I want to give you an, a bad example of what that looks like. We had a guy suddenly phone me from a wonderful, generous country, but um, he was not a generous type. But um, I won't say the name, but this country is south of Canada and north of Mexico, and uh, I didn't say anything, and, uh, and he said, hey, I want to help the orphans in Krakow, so find me some orphans. I'm like, uh, we are overwhelmed, we got like 10, he said, and then he emails me again, have you found me some orphans, and I'll need a car, and can you arrange that, and uh, can you arrange a translator, and get some orphans, where are those orphans? It's like, I've never ghosted, you know what I mean? I've never ghosted, all the generation, I've never ghosted anyone in my life, but that was the first time, you know? So <laughs> it wasn't helpful. It's like, I'm a, you know, I'm already, we're already panicking. We're busy, we're overwhelmed. And now this guy comes along and says, come and serve me, my vision. It's, ah, that didn't work so well. That wasn't such good teamwork. So teamwork is not sitting on our own throne and getting others to serve us. And now is not a time to be building our own kingdoms. It's not a time to be competitive, and it's not a time to go it alone. It's a time to focus on getting the job done of extending God's kingdom. And I feel we've really been able to do that with the generosity that has come yes. in from you and from your churches and from uh, the NCMI churches from around the world. And we have also worked with local people, partnering with local Christians and NGOs in the city. And in this way, we have been able to accomplish things. And so what does teamwork mean? 
It means many people doing small things and making a big impact. It means many people doing small things and making a big impact. It's such an important truth because we can all do something. That we can all do a little bit. And then, you know, one of the biblical interpretation principles is that you look at the Bible in context, right? When you read something, you read in context. In Matthew 25 is the very famous parable of the talents. But when you keep reading on in Matthew 25, you'll see that what it actually says in 25 verse 35 to 36, it says, later on, it says, Jesus says, saying, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And I think what this meant for us in this context was that we need to use our talents, and others have said this before, to serve others. So our talents is not something that we show off. No, it's to serve others, to give life and whatever that means. And sometimes it's the metaphorical, those who are hungry, those who are blind, but sometimes it's the physical. And in this case, we really felt it was. And, and so it's for the sake of others. Abraham was blessed so that he could be a blessing to all the families in the world, to all the nations in the world, to all the ethnic groups, actually, in the world. And using a strength and gifts. So for example, uh, Ola, who's here, speaks Russian and Ukrainian, and she was able to translate. And Kayla, my daughter, she actually has a love for Ukraine. She has had it for many years, and she's learning Russian at university. And so they were at the stations translating, volunteering, giving people direction. And, and Kayla has been into Ukraine many times. For her, this has been she's a very challenging time. She's there in the middle. She's not with us. She's at university studying Russian um, and Spanish, by the way. Um, but, you know, it was such a painful thing for her because she's got such a love for Ukraine. She's been there a number of times, and she has very good, dear friends. And one of her friends, her boyfriend, gave his life for his squadron. You know, they were, he, he was in the army, and there was an attack. And what he did, we don't know exactly what it was, but he was in the newspapers. And because he gave his life, 20 of his other soldiers were saved. And at the thing it said, he's already, he already knew Jesus, so he's already with him. But, you know, for us, it's been a pain as well, because then my daughter's like, my friend lost her boyfriend, and they were going to get married. And she's also 20, just like me, you know. Anyway. Sean and... Uh, I went and painted the shelter. That's one of the things we did, you know, so some people went trans translated. Some people went and painted. The French team came and they brought a whole lot of different things. Thank you so much, guys, for coming. And they were at the border here from Paris. Um, some other people came in and some Dutch people came in and they picked up some people and they actually took them and they're now living in Holland. Um, and we were able to help them out with that as well, sort of try to direct them into helping out into different places. Um, some other people from our, uh, our, our place, our church, went and took supplies to the train station. There were just millions of people just on the floors. Uh, so we were able to buy supplies and give them to them. 
Uh, some people went and chopped fruit for hours on end because we were giving them like bread and staples, but no vitamins. So some people decided, some health conscious people, literally for hours chopping fruit outside of the station, you know, and these women and children, you know, um, eating fruit and vegetables. And some people made soup and went to the soup uh, kitchens. You know, this is like, what do we do? Well, this is what we can do. Some people baked cakes so we could raise money and we sold the cake so that we could then raise money for Ukraine as well, the little bit that we could, you know. Whatever it took, just even a little bit is so much, you know. And when you put it together, there's a whole lot. So sometimes doing things with teamwork means doing things that we are not comfortable with. And sometimes it means participating, no matter how small we feel our contribution is. Because it is many people doing small things that has a big impact. Another thing when we are wanting to expand the kingdom of God is to expect difficulties. We come with a set of expectations, and if, when these are not met, or we face difficulties, differences, or disappointments, we can become easily discouraged, and we want to give up. But we have to know that they will come, so that when they do come, we don't give up. There was a, a family that came from Western Ukraine, and they were staying in one of the shelters, one of the apartments, and uh, they had been there for a while, all paid for, all food, all, uh, everything is paid for, and uh, after a few days, another family that were in another apartment from the refugees who were from Eastern Ukraine said, um, what are these guys doing in that apartment there? They, uh, they're from Western Ukraine, and um, they've got a nice apartment in Western Ukraine, and they are renting it out at a very high rent to some other people from Eastern Ukraine, and they've come here on a free holiday. They've arrived at the border, they've got free food, free transport, now they've got free accommodation in the beautiful city of Krakow, and everyone's paying for them for a month while they're earning money in Ukraine. So we found out they came on holiday. So there are abuses. There are people that will abuse us, that will take, you, that will make, take advantage of the situation. And the abuse is not only on the Ukrainian side. There were many abuses on the Polish side as well. People who had rooms or apartments renting them out for four or five times the going rate to desperate people. So don't be surprised when difficulties come. Don't nurse grudges. Don't focus on our differences. Don't focus on the disappointment. Don't focus on the hurt. Don't focus on the abuse. People mess up. And we need perseverance in the face of these unmet expectations, in the face of the hurts and disappointments. Let them go and move on. We can't stop doing the work because some people are abusing it. We have to do it because there are many people who need it. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, let's, talk on, uh, let's move on to a subject that uh, people don't often like to talk about, and that is money. <laughs> money is not something to be sought after for its own sake but it is an essential medium 
through which much can be accomplished. It's like I sometimes like to say, you know, if you want your vehicle to go somewhere, if you want you, you, you need to put petrol in it, you know, money's a little bit like that sometimes, you know, it just allows it to go somewhere. Um, so it's not the thing we focus on, but it's obviously needed. And there are some principles of stewardship. I just want to share three scriptures, Deuteronomy 26, 12. Um, when you have uh, finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. That's the first principle. The second principle, James 1:27. Uh, very, very uh, religion, yeah, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. As you know, men were not allowed out of Ukraine. We were looking after virtual widows and orphans. Maybe not exactly lost their husbands, but kind of lost their husbands, you know, lost their fathers. We've got a serious problem there, demographically, you know. Um, We've got to look after these women. Romans 12, 1, another one, very good principle here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, if you, God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, everything that I am and everything that I have is yours. Yeah? <laughs> my time, my wallet, you know, <laughs> my hobbies, <laughs> etc. So important. Expanding God's kingdom, church planting, social services cannot be accomplished without money and without generosity. And over this season, we've been able to do what we've been able to do because of the incredible generosity of other people. And uh, we have been entrusted with funds that have been a huge blessing to many, many people. And uh, we've been able to help people both within Ukraine and also those who have come to Poland. So we want to share a few of these stories with you now. So if you could have the photo, um, if there is a photo coming up sometime. Um, ah, wonderful. So this is a pastor on the right. So um, this is from a church of a uh, father of a guy that's in our church. So it's very trusted. You know, it's like they've been in Poland already for a, for, for a few good months. They didn't come out during the war, but his father leads a church and they have a transit center. They get people out of these dangerous areas, sometimes risking their lives, but get them sorted out in Ukraine, fed, medicated, rested. So they need apartments for that. They need fuel. They need to rent cars. Um, and then they transport them often west. Sometimes they just accommodate them. They also feed about 100 people every day that, at that stage, you know, and we were obviously able to then also finance that, you know. A lot of the aid that went in to the Ukraine, unfortunately, it is a bit of a corrupt country. It's war. It kind of went sideways. We were giving to people that we knew personally. Okay, next photo, please. This is Pastor Oleg, the, one, the guy on the left. He's doing the same thing on the Slovakian border. Amazing guy, just serving, serving, serving. And uh, also just transiting people, helping them get out, uh, helping them, pulling them in from the east and driving all the way. Okay, next photo, please. This is feeding the hungry. <laughs> this is a wonderfully happy lady. And, uh, next photo, please. A family. These people are at war. They, you can see, big family, you know, not much. Um, 
we're able to provide that for them, you know, provide transport for people. This is you in Ukraine. So these are the guys renting buses, volunteering their services, sometimes even just suspending the jobs to go and actually transport people out. And we're able to directly help them because we know the people who know them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So, yeah. So some, these are some of the people. Some of the stories you hear are just horrific. For example, there was a load uh, where the people got off the little bus and they were crying because the people behind them were running for the, for the minivans and the enemy started opening fire and some of them got shot, you know? And so they escaped, but the people behind them didn't make it. It's just the stories you hear are horrific, you know? So for us, one of the things we need to do as well is keep our hearts right, you know? We have been able to be involved in financing a refugee center uh, in Krakow, very close to where we live, that supports 35 people. Fortunately for the people who live there, it looks a bit like a Swiss chalet. And um, uh, they are, uh, we feed them. Um, we can move on to the next slide. We've got them eating uh, Easter breakfast. And um, they also have Polish lessons, English lessons, because we're needing to assimilate these people into culture, into Poland. Uh, been able to get jobs because for most of them, they have no homes to go back to. Um, there are aerobics. One of the ladies at the center is a personal fitness instructor. If we can have the next slide. Uh, you can see on the terrace there having aerobics classes and they have Bible studies as well. Um, there is a family that live in this uh, home. Actually, the husband of the fitness instructor, his name is Artur. And um, he comes from the Donbass area. And he's been living under Russian occupation since 2014. And um, when the, uh, the war started, uh, the Russians have been trying to grab the Ukrainian men because they want the, them to fight on, for the Russian side to shoot their own people. And um, so he's very fortunate because he's a very fast runner. <laughs> So the Russians literally came up to him to try and grab him, to take him, and he ran and he sprinted and he managed to outrun them. And uh, he went and he sat inside his house for a month, not able to go out in case the same thing happened again. He then, uh, they paid a driver uh, to drive them to the Russian border. If you are in a Russian-occupied zone, your only way out of the country is through Russia. You cannot go through the front line. You have to go east through Russia. He got in a bag. Now, he is, no, he is not a small guy. He got into a bag, drove to the border, paid the guy to drive them, bribed the border guard, the Russian border so guard. So now they're to, going with their two children as well, his wife and two children, and they're driving out. You know, the risk is massive. Okay, they, they bribe the, the, the Russian guard. If they, if they are caught, he would have been shot. They get into Russia, they manage to get through Russia, through Lithuania, and they end up in our refugee shelter. And uh, we've got a little video of them. We need some volume for those Russian speakers among us. Any chance we can have the volume? Thank you. 
мы были вынуждены покинуть и бежать от войны как можно дальше наших детей. Вернуться назад мы теперь не имеем возможности, так как наш регион оккупирован с 2014 года и при въезде обратно меня сразу же отправят воевать против украинского народа. В Польшу мы приехали в начале апреля. Около недели жили в спортивном комплексе в Варшаве. После нас пригласили в этот замечательный дом. С самых первых дней пребывания здесь нас очень удивило гостеприимство и желание помочь окружающих нас людей. Мы даже и не могли представить, что нам так помогут справиться с нелегкими жизненными обстоятельствами совершенно незнакомые нам люди. От лица всей нашей жизни выражаю вам огромную благодарность и признательность за поддержку и помощь. Для нас это очень важно и необходимо, как и для всех семей, которые были вынуждены покинуть свой дом и бежать от твоих в неизвестность. Еще раз огромное спасибо. Last Friday we were also able to sign a contract on another house, uh, which contains six apartments, which we will be turning into a refugee shelter uh, for about 25 people. And this in itself is miraculous. There is no accommodation available in Krakow. It is very, very difficult, but God has opened a door, so we've been able to do that. And uh, we've been uh, finding people uh, from mostly the east of Ukraine who have lost everything uh, in order to put them into the shelter. And yesterday we received a message from a family that we had notified that they could stay there. And their message was, thank you so much. We are crying of happiness. We are able to provide financial help, accommodation, clothes, and other needs to people that cross our path so that um, they can start a new life for themselves. And because of uh, the amazing generosity we've received from around the world, including the Cook Islands, I had to look it up where it is, right across the world from us, part of the NCMI clan. And we were able to put together some Bible school materials for children, which is amazing, which we have... Through an organization that I'm involved in as well, we've been able to distribute it to the children's ministries across Poland, which is amazing. Thank you. We've been able to set up a summer camp for Ukrainian children for 200 kids for a week. Most of them are not believers. And there's going to be Bible teaching and all sorts of things, evangelism, fantastic. We, we're able to finance a number of children to go into a Christian pre preschool. You know, we, uh, have been, uh, we have given work to people at the Christian school, to some refugees. So not only just providing for their needs, but actually giving them hope, giving them employment, giving them something to do. So important in times like this. Many people feel so useless and they want to work. We've been able to uh, provide school supplies for children. You know, all these Ukrainian children at this school, we've been able to, to, to provide starter packs for them to go to school. Um, And even in our little group and in, in our little church, you know, so many different things. But, for example, there's a family of six, and we didn't have a washing machine. Try that, you know. So we actually bought them a washing machine. Uh, there was a teacher and, uh, who is a Ukrainian teacher, but she now teaches online all these Ukrainian children. No computer. So we had to buy her computer so that she could carry on investing and, and teaching teaching the children, and many, many different stories. And one of the things we were also able to do, and I'll redeem myself about the United States now because they're wonderfully generous people. And I was contacted by a man, and he said, let's set up some kind of a shopping thing. And now what we do is we fill up a cart or a, or a shopping basket, 
okay, on our side with supplies that we have for the shelter and for other places, and we give them the password and thing, and they go online and they pay for it and it gets delivered to us in, in, to, the, to the right address. That's so cool. And that's actually providing for about 90 people a month, every month. So that's wonderful, you know. So all these links and all these connections and, and even though these things just came up, you know, just came up. And we learned, we, we just embraced some of the things that God gave us. And none of these things could have been done without your help and your support and the teamwork and the financial aid and the contributions from people all around the world and from people from the NCMI churches. Our last point, God uses all circumstances for the good of his kingdom. Yeah. So uh, it's very interesting because the number of people that are coming to Ukraine, the proportions, percentages of Ukrainian Christians are much higher than they are of Polish Christians. We think that there are far more Ukrainian Christian, evangelical Christians in Poland than there are Polish evangelical Christians in Poland. It's almost like the Jerusalem scattering that's happening. I don't know what's going to happen because these, some of them are really on fire. They want to shake the place up. They like big boom, boom, boom music and lights and we're a bit withdrawn, you know. And anyway, it's, it's wonderful to have that invasion of Christianity as well, you know. And many countries have opened up visas for uh, Ukrainians. And we recently heard of a family of nine who are getting Canadian visas and they are moving to Canada to plant a church. Some side effects. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear what Mark said earlier this morning? He said God is on a mission. God has a mission. Matt. Did you hear what Matt said? <laughs> Matt said God wants you to join him in his mission. Do you want to be a soldier on God's battleship? Do you want to join in with God's mission? That means getting involved, no matter how small you feel your contribution is. It means using your gifts and your talents for God's kingdom. It means giving generously for the purposes of God. And remembering that all things, God has a plan and God has a purpose. We can accomplish much for the kingdom of God when we do it together. Amen. And we, I just want to finish this off, in weakness, in fear, and with trembling. And that's okay. And just keep going. Yeah? yeah. <laughs>